Welcome to Alternative Airways. I'm your host, Steve. This is episode 89, and I'm not actually doing a full episode today. It is, in fact, guest hosted by Patrick from Make Dad Read Comics and Almost Educational. You can find those podcasts both on Stitcher and iTunes and uh, Podcatcher of your choice. I personally use Pocket Casts. This is coming at a very good time because I have a cold right now, and I'm probably stretching my voice to its limits right about now. So I'm just going to get off the mic and let Patrick take over. Attention, all true believers. Bring your ear a little closer so you don't miss a drop. Hi, welcome to Alternative Airwaves. No Steve this week. Instead, you're stuck with an ugly American, Patrick. But stop. Don't turn it off right now, because I'm a massive fan of Steve and Alternative Airways. I, like Steve, am an old man. I actually might be younger than me, but I am an old man. And I find this podcast one of the few ways I can actually connect with new music, especially free music, so an old man on a budget. Uh, I picked 10 great songs this week, and along with those 10 great songs, much like Steve does with his baseball podcasts, which are some of my favorite with his baseball facts and history of baseball, Steve has educated me more on... Ottawa AAA baseball than I think any human being should ever be educated, but I find it fascinating. So I hope maybe I can give you some tidbits of stuff that I'm an expert in. They are way more nonsensical than baseball, especially Canadian baseball. It's comic books and Detroit facts. The first song up is from MC Culla, a singer-songwriter out of Milwaukee. He mixes blues, hip-hop, folk, and a little bit of indie rock all together in a blender, and what comes out is something pretty amazing. The song's Neurosis of the Liver, off the album Call of the Wild 2014. You can find all his information on mccolor.com. One 
So here's the first fact. This has nothing to do with the song, but I just ate one of these, so I'm going to tell you all about it. Detroit's famous for a lot of things. Murder, blight, RoboCop, crushing unemployment, hockey, but maybe you might have heard of Detroit Coney Island. No one really knows where the Coney Island came from. Some think it just was a name that someone thought was a good idea. But Detroit Coney Island hot dog is a hot dog that consists of a pork sausage, usually a foot long, on a steamed bun. Now here's what makes it a Coney dog. Everyone says it has chili, but it's not chili. It's beef hearts tenderized into a sauce. It's like a puree. And you get the bun steamed. You steam the hot dog. You do not, do not, do not boil the hot dog. You steam it up real good. If they boil it, it's not done right. Then you take that sauce, that hard beef sauce. You put it on top. You put chopped up fresh white onions and mustard. Now, if you're looking at anything on like the Food Channel or Food Network, they're going to tell you to go to one or two places. Don't go to either one of them. They're tourist traps. They're right next to each other in the middle of downtown. It's Lafayette and American Coney Island. Now, don't go to either one of those. The best one there is, is Detroit 1 Coney Island. That's in Midtown Detroit, right across the street, well, adjacent to the street of my alma mater, Wayne State, the Detroit Institute of Arts, and about eight amazing great bars where you can hear live music, and then it's open 24-7, so with your you know, your beers and libations in you and the music reverberating through your ears, you can go get a Coney Dog. Now, once you go in and get the Coney Dog, also ask for One Loose. One Loose is a hamburger bun where they take that beef heart sauce and just slather it on top. It's like a sloppy joe made of beef hearts. It's amazing. Almost as amazing as the next song. It's from the band Fuse. No matter how you see it, it's the name of the song. They're two dudes out of Atlanta that just make amazing music. Byro's lead vocalist, bass guitar, guitar, drum programming. He's a songwriter and engineer. Merlo does lead vocals as well, plays the piano, keyboards, backup vocals, and is also a songwriter. It's two guys, and you would think it's a virtuoso of maybe a dozen guys putting this music together and programming it. You can find more of the music on Jim Mendo. Run away from the boring 
to ring The thirst for success, it's a non-stop quest to end all days Blowing in the wind, you're lost in sleep Trapped in a cage, you're trying to free Fans in a rage, you're fleeing to live another day talk it's mr and mrs smith matching set of bones all we got is a matching set of bones i'm a tired mind with a weary soul wanna settle down but i've grown too cold all we got is a matching set of bones maybe they will carry us somewhere warm but for now just stay home all i've got is all i when it comes to company oh Mr. and Mrs. Smith, who is actually just Hollis Smith. She defines herself as a mysterious person with many faces of guitars and quirky stories, a fiery brain of blues and deep southern noir with experimental plays on sound, song, structures, sparse, and haunting, defined as southern redneck music. You can find all her tracks on Free Music Archive. That's where I pulled this from. I also pulled the next song from Free Music Archive. Here's The Dread with Permission. Make noise cause you love, I put it down Matter of fact, don't need a reason 
showing up for a while, ain't counting. I don't fuck that sound to a mountain. And at least we amount to something, the amount we wanted. Don't tell me nothing, no telling where I might be. Hit me up, it's the TOD, then pick the beats. No more for convo, killer shit. I gotta let y'all know what's up. Hey, you're listening to Alternative Airways, and this is Patrick, guest hosting for Steven this week. And what you just heard there was Dread. They're a band out of Chicago that I pulled off of Free Music Archive. They're self-described as being inspired by hip-hop, rock, and skate culture. Dread creates music based upon their hybrid lifestyle, mixing East Coast hip-hop with rock and reggae. That track was Permission from a 2015 album, and you can find more about Dread on thedread.net. It's interesting, that was a, a mix of, you know, I think it was called rock core, hip-hop rock, that really became popular in the 90s with bands like Limp Bizkit and things like that. But if you look back in the archives of music, you can really hear the first inklings of that really in the late 80s with mashups of Aerosmith and Run DMC, and then later on Anthrax, which is interesting because they say Dread, and Anthrax in 87. And Anthrax is one of those bands that, especially Scott Ian, the lead singer and lead guitarist, really love comic books and you can see it through most of their work including and you see this really express this love for comic books and their album among the living in 1987 and one of the title tracks on there is i am the law and if you've ever seen an anthrax tour t-shirt there's this dude on the back with anthrax and this american flag and it's a guy with like very fascistic looking boots and this huge helmet that covers his face and a gigantic pistol in his hand he's holding a skull up to you that's judge dread which also ties in the title of the band dread but judge dread from the comic books is D-R-E-D-D, Judge Dredd. And Judge Dredd started in 2000 AD 
which is a British publication of comic books that started, which was first released in 1977. 2000 AD released stuff in what they call progs. So it was a huge magazine format. In that magazine format, you get a serialized story told in eight, you know, page chunks. And the original creators are John Wagner was a writer. Carlos Esquarza is the artist and Pat Mills is the editor and later on took a lot of the writing. And Judge Dredd is just a strange comic book. He is the most anti-hero, anti-hero in the world. He's a fascist who leads the judges who are judge, jury, and executioner in Mega City 1. Mega Cities are these places way in the far-flung future of the 1000 AD era. The world's ravaged by nuclear war and everyone seems to move in these gigantic cities and to somehow quell the violence and create order. The powers that be create the judges, and the judges are really a satire of American politics in the late 70s and 80s, of which you later on see like John Rambo in First Blood and Robocop, even a decade later, 1987. This idea that the you know shoot from the hip kind of heroes that I think the Brits thought that the Americans loved, maybe Americans did love, and probably still love to a degree. The embracement of you know Arnold Schwarzenegger with an M60 later on becoming the California governor is, is a very strange concept. There's been two film adaptations of Judge Dredd. The first was 1996, 1995, I believe, starring Sylvester Stallone, the self-titled Judge Dredd. There are actually massive amounts of aspects from the comic books drawn in that film, but it's not a good movie. I, I don't recommend that. What I do recommend seeing is the most recent that came out maybe four years ago, starring Carl Urban, just, just titled Dredd. It is ultra-violent. And he never takes the mask off. And if you've ever read 2000 AD and Judge Dredd, you know Judge Dredd never takes the mask off. Now, the next artist has nothing to do with Judge Dredd. The next track is Nothing New from singer-songwriter Devin Elizabeth out of Charlotte, North Carolina. She's only in her late 20s, but she has this powerful, confident voice of someone who's been playing for years. I pulled this track off Jay Mendo. You can find more of Devin Elizabeth at devinelizabethmusic.com. And as far as I know, she does not wear a mask.
So once again, that was Devin Elizabeth with the track Nothing New. A little bit of funk for you, a little bit of soul, a little something different. Once again, you can find all of her music at Jamendo, as well as the next band. It is the Bourgeois with Perverting the American Dream. So again, that was the Bourgeois with their track, Perverting the American Dream. They're from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they're probably one of the more interesting bands I've come across the past few years. They describe themselves as musically a band that draws inspiration from a wide variety of artists, the sonic rush of Nirvana and the Smashing Pumpkins, the disenfranchised melodicism of indie rock stalwarts like the Smiths and the Violent Femmes, and a dash post-punk weirdness, a la the Talking Heads and the Pixies. And if you didn't know, Bourgeois is a French word, English loves to borrow French words, loves to borrow any words. English is one of those amazing languages that, a lot like Japanese at times, will just take these borrowed words or loan words and add them to the lexicon of the language and I think make it richer. Uh, if you didn't know, my hometown is Detroit. Detroit was a fort, a French fort in 1701, 
which was established by French officer Cadillac. Yep, that Cadillac, the name cars after the man. And where the French fort existed in 1701, the city actually grew up around. And the idea was to build the city in much like the design of Paris. So if you look at Detroit, it's laid out in a spokes and a wheel. Also, Washington, D.C. has the same design. So the center of downtown, center of the wheel, and you have streets like Gratiot and Woodward that come out of it as spokes, wood on a wheel. And Detroit still holds a little bit of that, that French influence. There's this legend of the Nan Rouge, or Red Dwarf, supposedly it's a creature that you know would be seen among the people in times of great disaster, whenever there were fires. And uh, during the 12th Street riot that turned into the Detroit riots in 1967, the Nan Rouge was supposedly seen skittering across the street for that happened. And then in 76, when the great ice storm hit and left everyone in their homes for days upon end, people reported seeing the Nan Rouge skittering across streets. Uh, and there's a really cool celebration of Everett Detroit on March 20th. In 2010, this idea built up very community-based down in Midtown and the Corktown districts of Detroit. It's called the March de Non Rouge. The idea is it's very difficult to understand. In 2010, it was very grassroots effort that was like a parade, like a very Mardi Gras-like parade. And people would just kind of gather and you'd have drum lines and people dress in costume and drink and celebrate and eat in the morning. And they would march down Woodward and Cass in this massive procession. And someone would dress like the Nan Rouge creature and head along the way. And the idea was at the very end, you get to the end of the parade and you burn the creature in effigy, hopefully making the new year better. It is really strange. It's part protest. You'll see people protesting like 99 percentile kind of stuff. Uh, You'll see people getting married. You'll see people drinking in the streets. You get high school teams coming in drum lines. You get local bands playing. It's a lot of fun. So if you're in the Detroit area and you want to see something really cool, come around March 20th, really the the days leading up to it too and afterward. And it's a really cool parade that is a new tradition and it's very fun. At the very end too, the past couple of years, they have guest speakers uh, and they'll come and they'll say like a little poem or something just really strange. It's uh, eclectic and a lot of fun and it's something that is new and so please, if you're in the area, come down and support it. This year, Dennis and I on our podcast, Almost Educational, are going to record live from it and interview some people who may or may not be very drunk and very excited. All right, next up is another band off of Jay Mendo. They are the Meeps. They're a quartet out of Maryland that are a really interesting mix of fun power pop songs with like this punk influence and some really, really strong lead guitar, interesting bass line, interesting drum line they're just an interesting punk band that i think just has lots of fun playing with music the song is death ray gun and again the band's the meeps Again, that was the Meeps with Death Ray. You can find all the Meeps music on Jim Endo. And one of the coolest things that they have album art that is like this throwback 50s science fiction-y kind of comic book art with a, you know, 
a space babe with a bubble helmet firing a death ray on their album cover. Uh, and it got me thinking, when I was a kid, one of the things I loved the most was like gadgets. I always loved Batman's gadgets. Batman had a real, you know, you could tell Bruce Wayne was a businessman because he trademarked everything. The Batmobile was called the Batmobile. He had Batarangs. He had Batwing. He had bat dogs. He had bat everything. But I always wanted to have one of three things. I wanted to have a death ray, like a handheld, you know, pew pew death ray, kind of Han Solo blaster. I wanted to have a George Jetson jetpack. And I wanted Spider-Man's web slingers so bad. And the fact that I would grab like silly string, stick it up my sweater sleeves and walk around and spray people, probably much to their chagrin, thinking I was Spider-Man, you know, webbing my way along. There's a comic book out there, though, that talks about and examines the concept of the death ray. It's by Dan Klaus. It came out October 11, 2011. Dan Klaus, you might know if you've ever seen the film Ghost World. He's a real indie artist, writer of comic books, much more in the vein of the quote-unquote graphic novel, the things you'd hear you know, mentioned on NPR, not what you'd see in the floppies where you know, Spider-Man and Wolverine hang out. And the story is kind of a, a, a power fantasy of having a death ray. And I'm just going to read directly from Amazon. It's all about a teen outcast, Andy, who is orphaned with nobody and only one friend, the obnoxious but loyal Louie. They roam school halls and city streets, invisible to everyone, but bullies and tormentors, until the glorious day when Andy takes his first puff on a cigarette, the night he awakens, heart pounding, soaked in sweat, and finds himself suddenly overcome, suddenly overcome with the notion that he can do anything. Indeed, he can. As he learns the extent of his new powers, he discovers a terrible and seductive gadget, a hideous compliment to his seething rage, a death ray, and everything changes forever. Death Ray utilizes the classic staples of superhero genre, origin, costume, ray gun, sidekick, fight scene, and reconfigures them into a story that is anything but morally simplistic. With subtle comedy, deft mastery, and obvious affection for bold pop art exuberance of comic book design, Dan Klaus delivers a contemporary meditation on the darkness of the human psyche. So, if any of that sounds appealing, go on Amazon and check out The Death Ray by Dan Klaus. Next up is a band that can also be found on netlabel.com. It's Lily Wolf. I compare them a lot to uh, Sleigh Bells, which is also a Brooklyn-based duo of a female vocalist and male guitar player. But this is a little different because it's got a real dark synth pop kind of sound to it. Uh, Lily Wolfson is the vocalist, and Alex Newhausen actually plays bass. And when they play live, they're joined, they're joined by a drummer named Tariq Aluli in their live shows. But it's what I call smart rock. I know it sounds silly. They met at Stanford University. Uh, one receiving a degree in music, and the other picking up a PhD in electrical engineering. But they're kind of down to earth, and they don't really let that academic background uh, come through and being pretentious in any way, just being polished and being really clever, I think, both with their sound and with their vocals. And so here's one of my favorite tracks they've released in 2015, titled Violence.
This is Alternative Airwaves with guest host Patrick. That was Violence from Lily Wolf. And every time I think of violence and wolf, I always think Captain America. Now, dear listeners, much as Stan Lee was one to say about people reading comic books, dear readers, you say, what does Captain America have to do with wolves? And clearly there's lots of violence and jingoistic Captain America is going around beating up communists and third world country leaders. But I'll tell you this. I know Steve might have a lot of Canadian listeners, and they might have some issues with the idea of a guy wearing, you know, the the Star-Spangled Banner on his chest and walking around fighting for, you know, America. But my version of Captain America, who I hold dear, doesn't fight for America. He fights for the ideals of democracy. And I'll cite Frank Miller, who wrote and drew, in my mind, the greatest Batman story ever told, The Dark Knight Returns. Also did one of the greatest Daredevil stories ever, Daredevil Reborn. And there's an amazing scene in there with Captain America in which a general is trying to get him to essentially assassinate someone on American soil. And he says, you better respect me. And if you don't respect me, at least respect the order of the president. And Captain America's got this great moment where he turns away from the general. He grabs the American flag and he says, now I'm paraphrasing Captain America and Frank Miller here, folks. Never for you, always just the dream. Captain America is a social Democrat, Canadians. Don't ever forget it. Also, very strangely, this ties him with Wolf and Captain America. Did you know Captain America once turned into a werewolf? He did. Captain America 405, which is titled Cap Wolf, Man and Wolf Part 4, Dances with Werewolves, in which he goes cross-country. This came on August 2nd, 1992. Essentially, Captain America is hunting down a coven of werewolves. He gets bit and turns into a werewolf. I mean, there's nothing other than that. It's Captain America running around as a werewolf. It's very strange. It's very fun. And... It's just the oddest thing you've ever read in the world. Mark Arnold, who has a really good run in Captain America, in my mind, kind of dropped the ball when he turned Captain America into a werewolf. Not Lon Chaney, but Captain America as a werewolf. That was it. It was just Captain America as a werewolf. I don't know how many times I can see Captain America as a werewolf. The next song, it does not have anything at all to do with werewolves. It's Great White Buffalo. The title of the song's Detroit, My Hometown, although I don't know the song's really about it. Great White Buffalo is not from Detroit. They're an L.A. quartet who may be one of the, my favorite bands I've discovered in the past three years through Creative Commons music. I compare them a lot to Interpool in both vocals and style. They're just kind of this really, really beautiful melodic wall of sound. And if I can be so bold as a venture, the music almost sounds like a, a new version of prog rock. So please enjoy Great White Buffalo with the track Detroit.
again, that was the band Great White Buffalo with their track Detroit. And if you want to find out more about the band, you can go to their website, gwb.la. Now, in Detroit, as far as I know, there are no actual great white buffaloes running around, although I think that's more of a euphemism than it really is an actual animal. But the one thing that Michigan especially has lots of, and I think all the Midwest and Eastern Canada has, are black squirrels. And black squirrels are just the colloquial term for them. They're really just, you know, your eastern gray squirrel, but they have a black coat. The weirdest thing ever is that there was an actual war on black squirrels. And legend goes they were so abundant in Battle Creek, Michigan, they were first introduced by William Keith Kellogg, founder of the Kellogg Company. And in an effort to destroy the population of red squirrels, the story goes the Kellogg family was so obsessed with destroying them that at Michigan State University was founded by John Harvey Kellogg that they ended up importing tons of these these squirrels just to basically wipe them out. And they had this huge 32-acre estate in Gulf Lake, and they, all they did was breed these black squirrels and then unleash them on the world of the red squirrels and the gray squirrels to wipe them out. And there's no explanation of why they actually hated the, the red and gray squirrel. Kellogg was a weird guy in general, but but there's a movie in there of, you know, Will and John Kellogg having this epic, like, Lord of the Rings-style battle against red and gray eastern squirrels where they just unleashed the orc army of black squirrels upon them. And the two men sitting there, in my mind, smoking cigars and cackling and chomping down on cornflakes while the screams of red squirrels fill the air. Oh, that was good. HBO, here I come. Steve, I'm going to trademark TM that right here, right now. That's my intellectual property, Kellogg and the War of the Squirrels. So to wrap things up, the final song tonight is probably one of the more interesting things that I've come across looking through Creative Commons music in the past year or so. Toussaint Morrison. Toussaint's a rapper who, man, he just, uh, he embraces like all these in- insanely strange things from anime to comic books to Star Wars, but uses them all to address social issues with some really amazing lyrics and some of the most clever sampling in the entire world. He samples so many rock, old rock and old blues songs that it's almost a game of just guessing which artist he's sampling on it. So please enjoy Toussaint Morrison's Dark Side Imperials. I got it on lock like Hicks and Gracie in the late 80s. My saliva alone has been known to make babies. Pull up the Honda Civic to race your Mercedes. Cause the streets and I go back like the late 80s. My sneaks the color of Adamame. Ombre, I go west law in the court. Kanye, flow tighter than biker shorts. Fonse, Cobra Kai and this motherfucker sweep the leg. You can make a personal attack and I never feel it. I don't have a heart. I fake orgasms and breathing. I rock a V-neck and still get street cred. And go Eddie Gordon on these ladies, feet swept. I'm colder than air, cold term in the cold season. Cursing at the homeless after a tea party, even. So after party on till you find somebody. And if you don't, I got too many tie-ins on this side of the fence So when you shout, come at me, bro, you get the whole Rebel Alliance Even on the IR, I'd still make a title defense Cause my team don't play prices righteous My country will eat your whole culture like Galactus Digest the damn thing down to static Retell your history to students on the campus Hating my countrymen as captive protagonists They tell the stories as if they had to happen They had no other choice but to aim and let them have it Break the flagship, make bank off the damage Break the land and pay it back to old standards I'm born out of legacy and circumstance Trying to squeeze a little bit of glory from the necromance Every villain used to follow the law until The law turned around and called him a criminal Yeah Every time I come around and ask me where I'm from Where I'm from I point one finger to the sky at my homeland of far Homeland of far Now if you have to ask, it ain't your side I'm on side I'm on I don't be supposed to count Baby, I'm a death star Sleeping in my car On tour Turning water into PBR A derelict Wondering where the beat went Impaired with death Both feet in the red Sinking Below and beyond Delinquent Out of love Flipping tracks in the band Can't power us It was seven But now it's in It's the six After Wiley left And both of our past Quad sticks On the track Ripping the reins of fame 
game with the power glove Bounce a fire off the walls with the flower touch Got these chicks acting sub bossy while I'm bossing with my girl Daisy Switching lanes on the ostrich My issues are black and white, hard again Fuck your politics, my blade is non-partisan So that was your final song of the evening, Tucson Morrison, Dark Side Imperials. You can find all his tracks on jmendo.com and on tucsontmorrison.com. Now, if you didn't catch it, that song is filled with Star Wars references, including my favorite, I'm a Death Star Baby. If any of you out there have any idea, there's a big film coming out called The Force Awakens. That song is an absolute reference to my favorite part of Star Wars, the dark side, and the cult of Vader. Last tidbit before I wrap things up here and go, I'm going to relate it to comic books, and I'm going to relate it to Star Wars. If you didn't know, in 1977, this film A New Hope came out. A young George Lucas was trying to launch it. What a lot of people didn't know was it wasn't going very well. He couldn't find funding. Everyone thought it was going to be some kind of cheesy science fiction movie. He didn't sell it well. At one point, he invited Steven Spielberg and Brian De Palma and many other executives from all the big studios to sit and watch the footage of the first screening of A New Hope. When he showed it, he didn't have the space battles finished. Instead, he just showed old World War II fighter footage and said, it's going to look a lot like this. Things looked really dark until, upon urging from executives and other advisors, George Lucas reached out to a company facing bankruptcy in 1977. Marvel Comics was about to go under, but George Lucas gave a proposition to Marvel writer Roy Thomas and editor-in-chief Jim Shooter. They would have exclusive rights to publish the comic book adaptations of Star Wars. At this point, at this point, Marvel was a desperate company, not knowing anything about Star Wars, including having the first adaptations have a giant rabbit who was green and talked named Jackson, and even Luke Skywalker named Luke Starkiller. They published the first adaptations in conjunction with the release of A New Hope. Suddenly, Marvel found themselves aligned with a film that was a massive phenom in success at the box office. They had the exclusive rights to publish the first version of the expanded universe, thus saving Marvel from bankruptcy. Often cited by the men of that time, but little known, Star Wars saved the Marvel Publishing Company. So, without George Lucas, without Star Wars, you would have no Marvel films, no Guardians of the Galaxy, no Captain America Civil War, no Spider-Man, no X-Men Age of Apocalypse. George Lucas helped save Marvel. Thanks so much if you made it to the end of the show. And I want to thank Steve for allowing me to do this. I had a blast doing it. Alternative Airwaves is one of those favorite podcasts that I really do find a lot of new music. Exposed me to a lot of artists out there. And if you want to find either one of my shows, the first show I do is with my dad. It's called Make Dad Read Comics. It's exactly what it sounds like. What I do is I take my father, who's 67 years old, for three years. I've been giving him a new comic book series or graphic novel every week and trying to teach him about comics. Now, that sounds really nice and quaint. When I began this project, my dad called comic books literature for the illiterate. And so each week, it's a different journey with a different book, and it's really just an excuse for me and my dad to bond. The second podcast is almost educational. I co-host with my friend Dennis. We're both teachers, and there's usually like thought experiments or premises or thesis statements that we can't apply in the classroom because of you know constraints by curriculum or content standards. Some of them are like the geopolitics of outer space, uh, a fantasy history of alternative draft, uh, restructuring Major League Baseball, alternative history topics, can utopia exist, and so on and so forth. So if either one of those sound appealing to you, jump on any one of your podcatchers, iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and check it out. Thanks. Bye. Thanks again to Patrick for hosting Alternative Airways for me. He did a 
fantastic job. I really, really like that uh, that show that you put together. Some great music selected. All of that will be on the show notes at alternativeairways.tk. It'll be in a separate post. And links to Patrick's podcasts, Make Dad Read Comics, and Almost Educational will also be in the show notes. And uh, you can follow Alternative Airwaves on Twitter at Airwaves Podcast and Facebook.com slash Alternative Airwaves. Send an email to altairwaves at gmail.com. And also check out alternativeairwaves.tk for previous episodes and show notes. Uh, there may be one more guest episode coming, just waiting to hear from one of the podcasts that I reached out to from reddit.com's podcasts subreddit. And looking forward to 2016 when my next full episode will feature a song from Ottawa band The Split. I'm really looking forward to that, and I'll have something cool put together. And I think also in 2016, I'm going to put in some best of shows for you for when I can't get something done. Uh, So thanks again for listening, and be sure to check out Patrick's shows, Make Dad Read Comics, and Almost Educational. Thanks again, Pat, for doing that for me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.